Hi there, it's Ugo here, the Eagle, your Chief Encouraging Officer, and welcome to my podcast, Unleash the Eagle Within You. Okay, so today I've got Lloyd, have I pronounced it well, Lloyd? Lloyd, Lloyd Lobo, right? So I've got this amazing Lloyd Lobo who has been on my radar for the past couple of over, I I can't even imagine how long I've been meaning to have this um, podcast session with you, Lloyd. But today it's just all about how you've got into your journey. Um, So welcome to Unleash the Eagle. This is the podcast where I aim to encourage, uplift and just charge people to see the best in themselves and I'm so excited to have you on board as we kind of share authentic story and just your story and how you've gotten through and you've raised um I think you're going to tell us all about all you've been doing but yeah welcome on board Lloyd tell us about you I mean uh, I'm an accidental entrepreneur (laughs) and then now accidental best-selling uh, author of From Grassroots to Greatness, 13 Rules to Build Iconic Brands with Community-Led Growth. I have i don't know if it's unconventional or not, but um, I was born to immigrant parents. I was born in Kuwait, refugee of the Gulf War, ended up in Canada a few years after the Gulf War, and just um, a path that is off a you know rebellious kid that everyone wrote off in um, sort of unconventional. And I eventually realized that don't build society's definition of success or norms. The, you know, those who sort of do what others do and blend in can't stand out. And if you want to be different, if you want to achieve something, it's important to stand out. Like you see, I wear a hat on all my podcasts. I got two slits in my eyebrows. I wear baggy jeans. If you see, if I see my um, my talks on stage, I'm I'm very informal. I don't wear suits or like things like that. So a lot of people just immediately when they look at me, they write me off, right? And they don't think of me as a tech guy or a tech entrepreneur or a professional. They think like I'm some musician or something. Um, and and actually things like that drive me, right? Because I think society just typecast people in specific categories like if you are an engineer or a professional you need to look a certain way you need to talk a certain way and you know if you look at some of the people who've achieved any level of success they are not conforming to those norms because the norms lead you to status quo i truly believe and whether it's your appearance or what you do or how you approach things the only way to break status quo is just that, is to go against the grain, against the norms. So I was born in Kuwait to parents who, my parents are from India. They weren't educated. They were poor. My mom grew up in the slums of Mumbai. My dad was a farmer. And uh, because they weren't educated, they didn't have opportunities to go out West. And so back in the day, if you want to make money when you have no education, you'd go to the Middle East because the currency translate a lot higher um, right. Otherwise you're stuck making no money in India. Mm. So they, they had the opportunity to go to Kuwait. My, my dad learned and taught himself to become a chef. And eventually when he retired was a very celebrated Shane de Rotisier chef. So a lot of what I've seen is like, you know, um, do it, just do it, take action on your goals, show up consistently and do things a little better 
every day. A lot of people also like talk about like, you know, brag about how many books they read. Right. Mm. And um, I don't, I don't read books. Right? I wrote a book, but I, I don't read books. I only read and research when I'm stuck in a jam or, or, there is a situation that's immediately applicable to me and I need to get over it. I firmly, firmly believe that a lot of people brag about, oh, I read 100 books a week and all of this stuff. And I think a lot of that is untrue because it just sounds cool. So people say it, right? If you're running a business, it's a full-time job. It's it's a, it's a three full-time jobs, right? Yep. You got you to gotta work long hours. You got to show up daily. And the only way to be successful is actually just do it. Just take action, mm -hmm. show up and force yourself to overcome difficult things. That's the only way to grow. So a lot of, a lot of my thought process is against the grain of society, right? Like I didn't finish high school. Oh, wow. I, but most kids now who don't finish high school, what would they do? They would never apply to university. Nope. I applied to every single college university in Canada possible. Oh, wow. Right? Now one college um, uh, well, a couple of colleges actually asked me to write the entrance test. I did with uh, with them. And one of them said, hey, well, you know, your entrance test was good. You can start the semester, but we need to see your transcripts before the month is over or else you'll have to unenroll. And we're just expediting it because the semester is just starting. And where are your transcripts? I made up some BS excuse <laughs> and they said, okay, start. Now luck would have it, Ugo. Yeah. They forgot to follow up. They never followed up with me. And so oh, wow. without without having a high school diploma, I graduated with an engineering degree. And so this is another life learning for me is luck and risk are two sides of the same coin. Mm. I, I have been lucky throughout my life, but the ones that get lucky are always flipping the coin. Risk, 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 risk. They <laughs> never stop flipping. And one day you get lucky. A lot of my life's instances have been luck. Yeah, people say hard work, but everybody works hard, Ugo. You know, there's mm. lots of people work hard. Mm. But what is different is you also take risk because luck and risk are two sides of the same coin and you got to just keep flipping and flipping. So a lot of my life has been that, like taking chances, flipping and walking the edge a little bit of, of risk and uncertainty. Everything great is on the other side of risk, uncertainty um, and, and pain, right? Pain is the precondition for growth. So, so a lot of my, my journey is unconventional from, from that sense. And my wife who's been, I've known since we were in our teens, I was her prom date is very conventional, right? Mm -hmm. Very conventional. We've got three kids now. We've been together since 99, right? Um, and uh, she's very conventional. She got into medical school in second year of undergrad without MCATs. She's a uh, teaches medicine at Stanford and she's a bright physician, right? Everything is like, she knows what's going to like, I'm going to plan and this is going to happen by this year and this time. She planned the kind of house we were going to live when we were in our teens. She knew she was going to be wow. a doctor, what kind of doctor she's going to be. She planned that we're going to have X number of kids. It all played out <laughs> exactly that way. And I I'm, a, I'm of the other school of thought, which is everyone has a plan until mm -hmm. you're punched in the face. So <laughs> okay, just, just, just keep moving, keep taking action, and you're going to have to pivot and iterate along the way. And we, and it makes a great balance for a couple, right? Like, you know, um, I say this also a lot. 
your companions matter the most. It's neither mm. the destination of where you're trying to get to, nor yeah. it's the journey. We always are stuck in this rut of, oh, it's not the destination or it's the destination. Oh, it's not the journey. Enjoy the journey. It's neither. Mm. What makes it all is the companions you surround yourself with. Why do people get burnt out? Because they're in toxic environments. It's the environment your companions matter the most. Who you're with can make you feel like a rock star or a peasant. I mean, have you ever... Um, been in a situation where you're at like an exquisite event, but you like you just feel like the toxicity and you want to get out there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You want to just leave, right? See, um, because my mom grew up in the slums of Mumbai and they couldn't afford to take us on fancy vacations every summer in Kuwait. Mumbai is like a two and a half, three hour flight from Kuwait. My childhood summers were actually spent in the slums of Mumbai. Every summer vacation was there as a kid. And you know, you get to see what true community and companionship really is because this is a place where the homes don't have bathrooms, the public, you got to go to the public restroom, eating food is a communal activity, bringing water in the house is a communal activity because every morning you got to pump water in the summer, it would rain a lot and puddles would turn into ponds and people would be swimming together. So that was true community. And for me, it was so true and pure, the friendships and the companionships that every summer when we had to go back to Kuwait, I'd grab my parents by their feet and just cry and be like, just leave me here. I don't want to go back. Mm. It's neither the destination nor the journey, the companions that matter the most. I'll give you another example. When we were fleeing Kuwait from the Gulf War, by the way, when Kuwait was hit by the Gulf War, security had lapsed. There was no internet. There was no phones. And every building became a sub-community, right? People came down and they, they're like, looking around. What is a community? A bunch of people come together. Cool. They say, I have a problem. I have a problem. Okay, let's get together and solve this united by a common purpose. And and people, each building became a sub-community. There were people saying, hey, if you have no food, we'll organize food supply. Somebody's like, okay, you know what? I can guard the building from X time to Y time. And somebody else is like, if you have displaced family members, I have extra room, I'll give them shelter. So every building became a sub-community that communicated with the next building, the next building, the next building that communicated with embassies and governments, word of mouth spread, and evacuated us to safety, like pure grassroots evacuation movement. Wow. And, uh, and, and what I realized through that, uh, through that experience um, when we were leaving Kuwait on this rickety bus going from Kuwait to Baghdad to Jordan on the highway of death, you can Google search highway of death, buses were bombed and everything. Wow. Um, adults on the bus should have been crying, right? They didn't, the currency was invalid. They don't know where we're going, when we're going to get there. And if we're going to even be alive by the end of it. But one thing was constant on this bus going from Kuwait to Baghdad to Jordan over multiple days, refugee camps. People were singing and laughing and playing the guitar. Oh, wow. um, and it made me realize that it's neither the destination nor the journey, but it's the companions that matter the most. One of my fondest memories um, to date was that experience. You can be on a crappy journey on the way to hell, but great companions make it memorable. That's why they say your community, you know, we say your network is your net worth. I don't yeah. like that, that term because it's so transactional. Your yeah. community is your currency. You become the average of the people you surround yourself with. Um, when I graduated engineering, every job from my first job to my last job before I co-founded Boast and, and a couple others was working for a founder. Like if I'd worked for a corporate, I would probably be a corporate employee. But my first job was working for a founder. Then this was 2005. And if you work for a small startup and founder, 
likely no other corporate is hiring you. So your next job, when I started applying, was also working alongside a founder. And then the last job was also working alongside a founder. And so when my co-founder, Alex, who was my best friend in university, called me and said, we should do this startup, do this company together, I knew the risk profile. I'm like, yeah, it was natural for me to jump into it. So, So truly, truly, I tell this to people, curate your companions wisely. Your well-being depends on it, right? Having a great partner at home um, because, you know, having a workplace where you enjoy the environment is so important because it keeps you going, right? It's, it's the difference between being miserable and being remarkable. Oh, wow. Wow. And I hear you and I hear a lot of how your journey has kind of morphed I like the story that you've just taken us through and the journey of how you had to flee Kuwait and fleeing Kuwait must have been such a trauma for you. But here you are speaking about it, but speaking about the lessons, the lessons you've learned. So I wanted to explore some of the challenges you faced, obviously, as an entrepreneur and coming into this journey. And You just, know, yeah. nothing ever felt like a massive challenge right mm. um um this is funny because people say i'm being fastidious here but truly when you're surrounded by a community of great people look at my life right we were having a blast every summer in the slums of mumbai for me my most fun experience was being a refugee in the gulf war oh, wow. then then when i finished university and was a part of the startup ecosystem. I was very involved with the startup weekend community and hanging around and the camaraderie of people. And then um, when I co-founded my own company, I was doing it with my best friend and, and, and a great uh, group of people. And we were forced to bootstrap the company, right? We didn't have money uh, and we had to bootstrap. And the thing is when you're bootstrapped and you have no money, you got to eat. So you invest in, you can't invest in ads, and, and so what we did was we grew the company by actually building a community and that community called Traction, mm. uh, which is a community for entrepreneurs, took us to 10 million in revenue. A lot of our leads and brand and partnerships came from there. So it was fun. You're doing it alongside people. And although you're down, you talk to people and they're positive and they uplift you. So there were a lot of challenges. I won't say they weren't like, you know, there's personal challenges. Obviously Mm -hmm. you're not bringing money for years and your, your, your spouse is like, you know, how long can I be feeding you and running the family? Mm -hmm. But there's all these challenges, but trust me with a good group of companions that bring you positive energy, just, you know, when you overcome it, it becomes a fond memory. It becomes a learning, right? I, I haven't, so I don't want to, um, you know, I, I want to convey that, the importance of that. And, and as I reflect back, I truly think you need four things in life to be yeah. successful at anything, anything. Number one is your companions, your community. Curated wisely, your well-being depends on it. If you (laughs) want to be a musician, hang around with musicians who are successful, Mm. right? If you want to be fit. So, you know, uh, I was pretty overweight and you can look at my to uh, my Instagram profile. I have actually, I have. It was amazing to see the transformation. I was going to talk about that. Wow. So I went through transformation, but like you can, you can see how overweight I was two years ago. Um, And now, yeah, you know, I've I've been surrounded by a great community of fit people. 
And so if your five friends are fit, you're going to be the sixth one. If your five friends are entrepreneurs, better believe you're going to be the sixth one. You become, you'd manifest because that's the conversation you're having. You're seeing it. Um, that's your lifestyle, right? A lot of people look for self-motivation. Oh, I should work out or go to the gym. I should do this. Self-motivation is BS for 99% of the people. You know why? Because life happens. This is the reality. You may have the best motivation, but kids happen. Pick drop happens. Activities happen. Mortgage happens. Busyness at work happens. So what do you do? How do you cope with all of this? Change your environment. Surround yourself. Put yourself in an environment that forces you to take action. If you want to get better at something, don't look for self-motivation. Put yourself in an environment that forces you to do that something over and over again and watch your life change. So one of the key changes I made was lived on the beach <laughs> where there's a walking track and a running track. And even Ooh. if I need to go to the grocery to, to buy, um, you know, to buy just basic amenities and walk across, I need to walk on the beach. Now, the first few days, you're going to see all these fit people walking, working out, et cetera. Then you're like, you know, the third day, you're like, okay, maybe I'll also walk. Maybe I'll meet some people. Mm -hmm. And then your life life changes. Genuinely, your life changes. So that's why I truly believe your community, your companions, that environment matter these mo the most. So that's the first C. The second C is communication. Communication is everything when you're an entrepreneur or looking to do anything, right? Like from convincing your spouse you're not going to bring money to convincing uh, to convincing early customers that buy my stuff, even though I barely have a product or have nothing, to convincing employees to work on low pay, to eventually convincing the world, evangelizing the world on your mission, your vision, your values, your idea. It's all communication. If you can't communicate, you don't have an audience. You have an okay. empty room. So communicate, learn how to communicate to evangelize and energize people because energy is what what gets people excited, right? It, it, energy is what brings people closer to you. Otherwise, like, you know, they can just read an email, right? And go to sleep mm -hmm. kind of thing. The third thing is creation. You know, we don't, we don't realize this, but everything that we consume around us is created by somebody, whether it's content, whether when you're joining a company and in the early days, you're doing the sales and marketing and product yourself, but over time, you hire people, so you need to create playbooks so they follow your mission, your vision, uh, and they understand the processes, whether it's creating physical products, digital products, whatever it is, everything we consume around us is creation. So get good at creating something, learn to create something, whatever it is, I don't care. And the fourth C, you may have the best community and you may be the best creator and you may have the best communication skills, but without this fourth C, you have nothing. And that fourth C is consistency. Compound interest and consistency is what we call overnight success. A lot of people, they start something and they get psyched out that, oh, I'm not getting an audience or people are not buying my stuff. And they stop. Mm. Everything great is on the other side of pain, suffering, uh, right? You got to keep showing up day in, day out. I mean, look at the early videos of Gary Vaynerchuk or Mr. Beast. If they stopped, they wouldn't be where they are today. Look at the, some of the biggest movie stars. They just never stopped. They just kept doing it. To be great, you got to never stop. You got to be consistent. So I tell people that curate a com good community that uplifts you and drives you closer to your goals. Learn how to communicate to energize and inspire people. 
learn to create. I don't know. I don't care what it is, whether it's content, whether it's a playbook, whether it's a physical product, whether it's a digital product, you learn a lot from creating because you need to be creative. Be, uh, creating for the sake of enabling others to get value and consume is very important. You learn a lot from that process of creation. And then the fourth one is be consistent. Mm. Consistency is the secret ingredient that turns small actions into big outcomes. Wow. Wow. I mean, that is such an amazing four bullet points. I mean, I was writing them down and I'm like, this is just for me, first of all, before for anyone. But, you, you know, you've talked about community, companionship. And it reminds me of one of the key things, because I'm also an NLP um, practitioner. And one of the key things that we focus on when we work, when I'm working with the client is making sure that the environment they're in is right for them. And if it's not right, you've got to move your environment. And this is what you're saying. You're saying the environment that you are determines exactly how your outcome will be so for you you wanted to change how you looked you wanted to make you you wanted to feel better and you had to change the environment you had to be around people who were fit who were exercising who were taking that as their priority and people I mean I hear you this and I one of the key things I want you to just be honest about and share with me in this case is what happens when you feel like I can't do it I just you know, you say self-motivation is BS and it's important to surround yourself around people. And I get that. But there's some people who are just downright do not know how to put themselves in this community. How do they go about finding a way to put themselves there? Is there yeah. any rule book? Is there something they can think about? How is it that they can do that? The first thing is understanding what your goal is. Okay. Mm -hmm. What your aspirations are. And then the second thing is finding the people who are aces at it. And now with the content, you can subscribe to people's YouTube. You don't even have to watch long videos, right? You can subscribe to them on Instagram, on LinkedIn, on TikTok, on YouTube, and start consuming content. Like learn, 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 learn. The first thing is just consuming because you don't realize the compound interest on consistency of everything leads to, it's huge, right? Like look at Warren Buffett. He's a single richest person investing. He always preaches this compound interest. So imagine if you're consuming negative content every day, bad news, negative news. Yes. Um, he said, she said, wokeism, cancel culture. And that's in your mm. mind, in your conversations mm. every day. What's going to happen at the end of the year? You're going to be depressed. You're going to be in a bad mood. So cut that crap out, cut the neg negative energy, the toxicity, and start consuming good stuff, right? And the only way to know what to consume is to understand first, where do you want to go? What is your passion? right? What do you like doing? So when you combine, when I, I, I always say this, when passion meets profession, you become Michael Jackson. So that what one. is my passion? <laughs> yeah. What is my zone of genius? Meaning what do you really enjoy doing that gives you joy, right? And the third thing is being consistent on it. And of course, the fourth thing is it should be for an audience <laughs> where there's money, because if, if there's no money, um, <laughs> there's no business kind of thing, right? So that's that's mm. how I look at it. And so start now following people who are at the top of the game in there, five, 10 people. Block out everything else and just start consuming their content, right? You can read books also, but I feel like, you know, a lot of people find it very hard to read books. Uh, visual is always better. 
right? Um, a lot of people also take a lot of time to read books and they like, you know, they're like, where do I start? Where do I end? I love the short form content format because it helps you to learn in quick bites and follow uh, and consume a lot more from a variety of things. So just start consuming content, number one. Number two, um, this is also something I learned from actually college. If okay. you want to be the cool kid on the block, what do you do? Be the kid that hosts the cool parties. Mm, right? okay. When you host the party and they're like, okay, you know, Ugo is hosting this party and so-and-so and so-and-so is going to be there. There's going to be this, that, and the other thing. And people want to show up. So rather than trying to get invited to other people's parties, be the kid that hosts the cool parties. So what did we do? How did we start building our community is we started hosting, we, we knew we wanted to target entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. What Boast does is it provides, it's a platform that provides funding to innovative companies okay. to do product development, right? R&D tax credits and product development. Now, when we started cold calling people, nobody wanted to talk to us. We started going to other people's events, but we were just a number there. So we said, why don't we just start hosting our own events? And we started, a lot of people host an event and they just publish it on third-party platforms and hope people show up. Nothing ever works that way. You got to seed it. So I started making lists of people I wanted to be at the event. And if you want 20 people to be at the event, maybe you have to make a list of 200 people mm -hmm. and personally invite them and tell them the value, right? And those 20 people show. Now don't stop. Do the next event and next event and next event. We were doing weekly meetups at our co-working space. Seriously. At what? Like, at what? At, at a co-working space, co uh, the, oh. yeah, the co-working space, right? Yes. Because the space was free and pizza costs nothing. And you just bring people to congregate and you tell them like who else is going to be there. And if there are people just like them that they want to learn from, they'll show up. We never stopped because the first time 10 people showed up, we kept doing it and doing it and doing it. And one day, 200 people showed up at our co-working space. Oh, wow. And the guys who run the space. Every week? Yeah, we're almost every week because it's free. Free lift, right? Come show up, sit and talk, right? Uh, a lot of people get psyched out and say, oh, it needs to be this kind of event and this level of professionalism and bells and whistles. Wouldn't you rather just have a small group of people who are united by a common purpose and shared goals to come together casually without it looking super contrived on a mm -hmm. weekly basis where it's like, okay, I have free space, just come and just hang out and talk. And then they invite more and more people and they invite more and more people. Like I always say, nail it before you scale it, right? In the beginning, you got to just aim for volume, right? Just do so you can refine it over time, right? Don't try to make it perfect. Perfection is the enemy of done. Just get it done. And so we kept doing these events. And one day, 200 people came to the co-working space. And the guy who ran the co-working space said like, hey, man, you can't do this anymore. This is like running a conference for free and you're hijacking all the aisles. And that eventually evolved into what it is, what we call traction conference today. We've had the CEOs of Uber and Shopify and Twilio and all the C-suite from these big name companies. But wow. what I'm trying to say is it's visibility, credibility, and then profitability, right? So initially, you're just inviting people who have some influence that you can convince to come. Then the next time you use their name to invite people of a little higher influence and higher, you just keep leveling up. And eventually you'll get there if you do it with enough consistency. And so you don't have to be hosting parties, but what is the equivalent of being the cool kid that hosts the cool parties? How do you change your environment? Maybe you host a podcast like you are, right? Mm -hmm. They're like, oh, it's hard to invite guests. Well, it was hard for me too. How did I do it? How did I get all these big name people to come? 
because I freaking made a big list of people and I just cold emailed everyone and hounded them and told them about the value we could create together. One person, you need one person to say yes. Then when that one person says yes, you use their name and you try to convince other people. And then it's like a domino effect. You got to just get out there and do it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, whether you launch a business, you launch a business like, oh, I, you spent all this time creating a product. If you can't sell it, there's no business. So how do you figure out like, oh, you know, I don't know how to get leads. Well, the leads are in your system right now, right? Look at your email contact list. Look at your LinkedIn contact list. Look at your Insta contact list. Look at your phone contact list and see who all could fit and then reach out to them. Be like, hey, I'm starting something new. If you think this would be a value, I'd love, love for you to give it a try. That's it. And then the next step after you've gone through your contact list is then script the general web. You got to reach out to people. There's no substitute for reaching out to people. Another another way, you know, in 2012 is when we started our community. That was a time where LinkedIn wasn't huge for content distribution. Podcasting wasn't a thing for business. There were a lot of blogs um, and people were building audiences on blogs. And I said to myself, well, I'm late in the game to blogs. If we started building a blog, it would never take off. Yep. So I tried to get a column in the local newspaper. Now, yeah. they said no, obviously. So I blogged for a third-party blog and I drove so much traffic to it and uh, by sending it to my whole contact list that they retweeted and reshared it. Then I went back to the newspaper editor because I wanted to be in the newspaper. And I said, hey, look at what I did for this third-party blog. Imagine the whole new young audience I could bring to the newspaper because newspaper is a dying medium for the younger demographic, right? Mm-hmm. They're on socials. So he said, fine, I'll give you a blog post. I won't give you a column. Now, this is another life lesson is... Unless you're doing something illegal, as an entrepreneur, you must always beg for forgiveness, not ask for permission. I call that blog startup of the week, which implied to the community that, oh, the newspaper is starting a new column to felicitate startups, to give them the soapbox, to drive recognition to them, to help them with get customers and give them a voice because I called it startup of the week. And Lloyd's taking charge. He's the Messiah. And I, this relatively new person that nobody knew all of a sudden got social proof. Now, I didn't just let it sit there on the blog. I went back to my whole contact list and everybody I knew. And I'm like, you got to blast it out of the stratosphere. I emailed people and whatnot. And then what happened after that blog went live, the editor calls me. I have two missed calls from him. I'm freaking out. I'm like, he's going to get pissed why I called it startup of the week. But he calls me and said, man, this did so well. If you promise to write this every week, I will turn it into a print column. Wow. So I wrote that startup of the week um, for Post Media, which is a large Canadian newspaper, for like nearly three years. And so that started giving me the audience at a time where podcasting wasn't huge, LinkedIn wasn't huge, there was no Insta or TikTok for, for content. And I knew blogging was saturated. It would take me a long time to get an audience. So by blogging on the newspaper and calling it Startup of the Week and it becoming a print column, I started building an audience almost immediately. I got the newspaper's audience. And what happens when you're in the print? Even in today, print has more, what do you call it? Like people feel it's more valuable because it's scarce. Not everyone is on print. Everyone can be on a blog, right? So yeah. when like Startup of the Week in the print, people were going at 6 a.m., 7 a.m. to buy the newspaper from the stands ah. and share clippings. And I put a little form in there saying, if you want to be featured just apply here. So I started building my audience that way. Now, here's the thing. 
if they're just reading the newspaper and applying, it's an online audience. How do I get to know that audience better? I want to bring them together. So I started hosting small meetups and started wow. bringing them together on a cadence to interact with one another. And that audience became a community. And now all of a sudden, I went from this no-name person in a matter of months to being somebody of authority, meaning I became the kid that hosted the cool parties, right? Mm. And so that was that is the analogy. Whatever it is you do, um, be the kid that hosts the cool parties. So one, consume content from people you want to learn from regularly. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't have to be like, oh, I read a book once a week. No, consume like an hour worth of content from people you want to learn from every day on socials. Uh, TikTok, uh, or, or rather YouTube shorts, TikTok and Insta are really good for short form content. And you can keep scrolling and try that, right? Um, you can read if, if, if uh, it's easy for you to consume. My worry with reading is people, most people say they do and they, and they don't, but like you can watch and visualize and consume on the regular. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The second thing is, be the kid that hosts the cool parties. Figure out a podcast or start hosting small events. Just bring people together. You won't get a rock star to come to your first thing. Mm -hmm. You just need somebody who is immediately a couple levels up from you. Then you use their name to level up to the next one and the next one. And you do that enough, you'll build a network. Today, we have like 100 plus thousand subscribers. Um, and that's enabled us to build brand recognition for Boast. The, the private equity firm that acquired half the company also came through our community. So eventually it'll keep giving, but it doesn't happen on day one, right? It's visibility, credibility, and then profitability. And you got to give, give, give. If you help enough people get what they want, you'll get everything you want. The only way to create abundance is to help others without expecting anything in return. The compound interest is huge. Like when the deal happened to acquire half of Boast, I didn't even expect it because it happened in the middle of the pandemic and you're miserable and it just happened. We hosted an event. They came to the event and they expressed interest in uh, buying half the company. It was great because I went from being poor to now coming into millions all of a sudden. And, you know, my wife who was paying the bills for like 10, uh, for 12 years, wow. got some financial freedom <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, it made our lives better. But I tell you, everything has come for me from from building that community wow and as you talk um lloyd i was just picturing that little boy who saw how that community in kuwait got you out of you know the war and i i'm just picturing how the puzzle is fitting i'm like wow that's so amazing because that little boy, as much as he was young, he was he was sucking all this information. Wow! So this is how you build communities. But again, you you you've taken it to the next level. You've taken it to the level of actually using these communities and bringing these communities together for such a good thing that you do. But more importantly, to grow something great. You were going to say something. Go ahead. No, no, no. I wasn't. I wasn't. Oh, okay. And so I, I, I'm, I'm so fascinated. I wanted to ask you quickly before I'm, I'm watching our time go past. But who are the people that were your first? You know, you talked about consuming content. So I believe you probably did the same. Who are the first, the first mentors or people who motivated you that gave you that drive? Apart from your parents, what, what, what kind of, what kind of content were you consuming? Honestly, it was all kinds of people, man. Mm. So many people to name. I, the one thing till today I do is I don't claim to know anything. I always in my head from childhood 
everything I've achieved, I think it's a function of luck and karma generated by my parents and my grandparents. I don't know why it's imbibed in my head and it's nurture mm -hmm. uh, because my grandfather was a huge community builder in the slum. My father, when Kuwait was bombed, no European chef wanted to come to Kuwait to rebuild the hotel. And he went and uh, he couldn't get any chefs or cooks to come from the West. So he found people who were cleaners and streets people, pretty much people who were homeless. And he trained mm -hmm. them to become cooks. And he built wow. this award-winning um, uh, suite of restaurants for the hotel. And he's won awards for it. And now those people that he trained over the last several years, they are have restaurants overseas and in multiple European locations, American locations, and they've done well to a point where actually my dad's retired and I wanted to take him to Kuwait as a surprise. So he sees the hotel that he helped build. Mm. Right. And I, I took him to Kuwait two, three weeks ago and I reserved his room at that same hotel. Oh. I kid you not. Like I had goosebumps when this happened within 24 hours, I get an email on the GM of the hotel. Now, my dad left Kuwait in 99. So think about it. It's almost 25 years. Wow. Right? Um, and he's been in Canada since. I get an email saying, is this the executive chef, Louis Lobo? If yes, we're canceling your reservation for your whole family. The stay and everything you eat here is on us. Wow. And we, when we went there, they were the GM with the staff were waiting to welcome him. And every restaurant I went to, they were telling me about my dad's legacy in, in wow. building that restaurant or the cuisine there that they had heard because 25 years is a long time. And to me, that uh, gives me goosebumps, right? Um, when I used to visit the slums of Mumbai where my grandparents lived, Mumbai is the New York of India. Every time I'd go there, I'd see somebody or the other in my grandparents' house. And now my grandparents have 10 kids. So imagine how hard it is in this small thing where there's yeah. no bathroom. Uh, there's like maybe a few hundred square feet, maybe two, 300 square feet uh, place. And I'd ask like, why do you have these strangers there? And, and I would always hear like, the people you help will never help you back, but universe will return it to you in ways you can't even imagine. Mm -hmm. Today, all of his siblings are well off and everywhere. So all my life, I've attributed everything I have to luck and karma. And I keep saying this is generated from the goodwill that's passed down over generations. And, and when you have that mindset, you never really think it's your doing, right? And so you're always eager to learn. You're always eager to meet people. You never know enough. Right. So, so that's, that's one way I look at it. And I don't know, like people call it imposter syndrome, which is very negative. Mm. I think like my life has been a series of lucks. I mean, if I hadn't married my wife, mm. I wouldn't have, I, I wouldn't have the good fortune that despite bringing no money, I had somebody support me and my mission to build a startup. Like, you know, imagine being the spouse of an entrepreneur who's gone through a couple of failures and is not bringing significant money home where you have to run the family you're living in San Francisco mm -hmm. Bay Area it's very hard right so a lot of these I, I attribute it to to luck uh because you know if it gives you the ammunition right and and so when you when you think like oh man my life is a series of lucks and karma mm -hmm. then you're like you're like it's hard for you to be arrogant you're you're always 
you know, trying to look for new ideas, listen to people, learn from them. And that's the only way to grow, honestly. There's there's no big dog. There's mm-hmm. always going to be a bigger dog and a bigger dog. Like if somebody is more successful than the other. Money, fame, and power are fleeting, right? And and the only thing that remains is your health, your family, your relationships. And so you got to focus on optimizing for that, I truly feel. And, you know, just be a lifelong learner. Like everyone can teach you something interesting. My daughter taught me something very interesting. She just turned 10. And uh, when she was eight, she came to me and said, dad, you're always working. Your dad's, dad, you're always working. We never get to see you. We never, never spend time with us. And um, months before, actually, after we sold out the company, I'd almost died of COVID. Oh, I was wow. hospitalized on oxygen and life lost this meaning. And I said, you know what? If I could go back in time, I'd spend more time with the family. But old habits die hard, right? So like business happens, life happens. The company went from 30 to 100 people. I was trying to find my own footing in, in the company because, you know, we had sold half of it uh, to a, a external firm. And then she comes and asks me this. She's like, what can I, you know, um, can you give me my dad back? Wow. Right? So a lot of things uh, you can learn from. My kids teach me so much every single day, right? Um, I used to be this... You know, when you come from not a lot, mm. you value things sometimes, overvalue things. So one of the things is like this effed up relationship I had with food. It's like whatever is put in your plate, you have to finish every last ounce. You can't throw it in the garbage. <laughs> and my my kids actually, my daughter, 10-year-old, taught me that whether it's going in the garbage or going in your stomach, when you consume something, when you're full, it's... It's this. It's it's garbage. Regardless, it's, it's disservice to your body. Absolutely, it's wow. disservice to your body. So that's what I learned from my ten-year-old. I actually I didn't Powerful. learn it when she was ten. I learned from her. I learned a couple of things when she was eight, right? And and you know that was a key lesson actually for me in my fitness journey because you know I'm like started started thinking about portion control, right? Started mm-hmm. thinking about how how to eat right, kind of thing, right? Like it's like hey, you don't have to finish every ounce of it, kind of thing. So everyone can teach you something. And, and I think you got to keep that in mind. You stop growing the minute you think you know it all. Wow. And I, I love that. And it's, you've just, you've, you've shared a lot with us today. And more, more importantly, you've shared a lot with me. And I hope that the people listening to this can see how passionate you are. But more importantly, the great lessons that you've shared with us today. You've talked about how, that that your your father's or your father giving has also impacted how you've seen giving because you've he's giving and look at the reward he was able to rip going to Kuwait how many years after and getting this this treatment it just means that it is not about today what we're doing is the legacy we're building and that is what you're you're showing you're showing that in your legacy it's the legacy we're building for our children's children's children to be able to look back and say okay I'm reaping the rewards of my fathers I'm reaping the rewards of the good karma the good um, the good luck and all of the stuff that they've done and I'm ripping the reward and you're doing that as well you talk about consistently but more importantly you just the last conversation was about learning and you're saying learning from everywhere learning from you've learned from your daughter you've learned from your spouse who was such a such I mean sacrifice in this in this day and age where you know families everyone's trying to be you know independent and there is this woman ready to support you for that long and be there for you you learned 
you've learned from that. You've learned from your daughter saying about how. So I want our community, my community, especially coming into your space, understanding you. And I'm hoping they would go and find out more about you. Can you tell us a little bit about your book so that they can go get it and read? Because I'm super inspired. Thank you so much. Yeah, so my book is called From Grassroots to Greatness, 13 Rules to Build Iconic Brands with Community-Led Growth. Why I wrote this was, you know, like I said, all my life, I didn't have money. Um, and I was happy because always a community of people where we lived, my surroundings, my companions, my wife, your family is your first community. was always there through the hard times, like through the hardest times. And we've had some hard times. I mean, like, you know, I say um, it with a smile, but like, you know, being hospitalized for COVID and having uncertainty over your life or not bringing money um, and, and seeing like, you know, we lost one of our twin children. One was in the womb. All those things are very hard, but yeah. you sail through it with the right people. Right. Um, and, and so uh, yeah, I was happy despite not having money and hardships. I was happy for the first time in my life. I came into money. I left the day to day of the business and I got depressed. Because what happened was COVID followed, the company grew, I stepped out of the day-to-day, -day, and I felt I lost my tribe. I felt like all my life, I built my identity around this company and this community. And by leaving, I felt I lost my tribe. And so despite having so much money, it felt meaningless. Mm. And I got depressed, you know, like that. You go to my Instagram, double L-O-Y-E-D, Lobo. I've pinned the post. You'll see from December 21 what I looked like back then. Um, I was depressed. I got overweight. I got drunk. And one day my wife comes to me and she said, Lloyd, the glass is half full. You can go anywhere, but you choose to mope. And if something happens to you, your kids will be left holding the bag. You might not get a third chance. You got a second chance after COVID. Mm -hmm. Just like, you know, the glass is half full. Like focus on fixing your health and, and your well-being because you may not be there for your first community if you continue. Mm -hmm. And just surrounding myself with positive people brought me to good health. Like my network, my circle, most of my circle is now very fit, healthy, positive-minded people. And I started digging deeper and I said, this is a message the world needs to hear. Like loneliness is one of the biggest killers in America. Yes. Right? Mm -hmm. um, there's this concept of blue zones, the five places around the world where people live functionally until 100. Functionality is important if you want longevity. Longevity without functionality is meaningless. Wow. And four or five out of their nine traits have to do with community, communal living, people to people, human to human connection. Hmm. And then I started digging and digging and realized every obscure idea that eventually became an enduring global phenomena from Christ and Christianity to hmm. eventually CrossFit went through the exact same four stages. People listen to you four or stages. buy your product. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what you are have an, Yeah, people listen to you or buy your audience, buy your product. You have an audience. Mm -hmm. When you bring that audience together to interact with one another on a cadence, it turns into a community. And here's the kicker. When the community comes together to create impact towards a purpose that's beyond your profit or your product, it becomes a movement. And when that movement has undying faith in its purpose through sustained rituals, over time, it becomes a cult or a religion. Audience, community, movement, religion. And I'm not talking about the tech companies that became successful in the last little while. I'm talking about some of the most iconic brands. So look at Harley Davidson, where if you see somebody wearing a leather jacket, you're thinking it's a biker. Harley mm -hmm. almost went bankrupt in the 80s. 
the management said, we're going to rebuild the company on the ethos of community. Employees went out there and became writers. They started writing clubs. Writers became employees. They started to congregate regularly um, around the joys and the brotherhood of writing. And then they started coming together to create impact and donate to causes like autism and cancer. And today it's a cult brand, right? You can see a dog wearing a leather jacket and you're like, it's Harley. People mm -hmm. tattoo the Harley logo. Uh, and so that's that's the thing. If If you build a community you won't become a commodity. Yesterday's innovation always becomes tomorrow's commodity. In the 80s, it was the electronics. Then it became dot-com. We don't say dot-com company anymore. Then it became web 2.0. Then it became mobile. Then it became social. We don't say any of that anymore. Now it's AI. But look at OpenAI, right? OpenAI is one of the biggest successes at this point in time. Without the community, there would be no OpenAI. We were members of OpenAI since 2020. The community was giving OpenAI data and feedback and build this massive community. And what happened when they tried to remove the CEO, founder of OpenAI, the community revolted. No, they had to yeah. bring him back. Yeah. Mm -hmm. If you build a community, you will not become a commodity. Yesterday's innovation is always tomorrow's commodity. Until we live in a world where robots are buying from robots, <laughs> the world is only going to be furthered by human to human connection. That's what I want to leave you with. Wow. Thank you so much. And I think they can get your book on Amazon. I got it on Amazon. It's on Amazon. Um, so please go get the book. I'm, I can't wait to finish it. I literally got it. And I was like, whoa, this is so packed with so much information. Are you, you're on YouTube by any chance? So they can. Yeah. yeah. So I, I have a, I have my traction. So look for traction conf on YouTube. That's where I, uh, YouTube and Spotify traction conf, where I interview uh, CEOs and founders and professionals of multi-billion dollar high growth companies on Instagram. I talk more about life intentional living, fitness, business learnings, double L-O-Y-E-D, Lobo. I'm on LinkedIn, but I'm taking a little LinkedIn sabbatical. Okay. It's just um, writing long forms of text is very hard for me. So I'm like playing with video now on Instagram and like okay. interesting stuff. So, you know, I'm uh, my wife turns 40 next year and uh, she's been very busy and uh, never had the chance to, um, you know, work out in the last little while because three kids, we just had our, 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 our youngest kid is two and she has a very demanding ER career. So I said, I'm going to transform. Given the journey I went through in fitness, uh, I said, I'm going to help you transform by your 40th birthday. So we did a, we're on a 150 day challenge where I vlog every day about it. And, um, you know, there's no brain function that exercise doesn't improve. But most importantly, a lot of people in this day and age, they're driven away by their companions, their partners, because of work and kids and everything else, chores. Yeah. yeah. Fitness brings you together. Yeah. Like if you work out together, one uh, uh, serotonin, endorphins, exercise releases all of that in your brain. And when you're working out together, I truly believe couples that work out together stay together. It's brought us so much closer together. It's like we're dating again. Because I, you know, I I was her prom date when she was. 18. And and then, you know, we've dated and then we got married in the last 10 years where she was busy working and kids happened, mortgage happened. I was busy doing startup after startup. I feel like we got driven away. And now we're like working out together every single day. And we have a reason to be together. Like, because uh, as a part of this transformation journey, 
if I do something different than she does, then it's going to be hard for her to stay course. So I eat the same thing she does. Wow. We cook together. We make meals for each other. We eat together. We take walks every day together. Um, and we go to the gym together. So we're spending so much time together, right? So so I'm vlogging that journey as well, her fitness journey <laughs> of 150 <laughs> uh, kind of thing. So check it out. I talk business. I talk intentional living I talk about breaking society's norms. I talk about fitness, all kinds of things that are for people who are not professional at it. Like I'm not some mm -hmm. professional fitness guru or some business expert. I just learn things on the go. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people are in my position. I'm 43. They probably feel like, man, I feel like trapped. Um, mm -hmm. And how do I live better? Right. And that's mm -hmm. what I'm trying to convey is, it doesn't have to be all or nothing. You don't have to wait till you're 65. You can live your best life right now by making some intentional choices and taking action against it. And so that's what I talk about on my Instagram, which is more unfiltered and, and true. So follow me there and you'll get some. And what is your Instagram page again? I mean, I would link it when I post. Yeah. Yeah. It's Lloyd Lobo. It's, Lloyd it's, Lobo. I'm, Lo I'm Lloyd Lobo everywhere across okay. socials. Okay. So Perfect. This, this is it okay perfect um, i can see we've spent an amazing time um so i will put the link for people to follow and i just thought in conclusion what is your future plans and goals as we round up what do you, you see know i i Roy Lobo I, doing i have no my only goal right now is to spend more time with the people i love mm. and doing the things i love to do and I've always followed that path is like add value and build an audience and create a community and the money <laughs> will follow. If you help enough people get what they want, you'll get what you want. So I don't have any business ideas. I'm on the board of my company, a couple other boards. I'm running my traction community. So we do the podcast every other week. Uh, hopefully we come back to live events uh, in the next little while, but I'm spending time with my family. I've spent a lot of time neglecting them over the last 10 years. And so now it's like spending time with them, bonding with them um, in during the glory years of my kids. And, Honestly, a big part of this transformation journey with my wife over 150 days mm -hmm. is she's my best friend. I'm everything I am because of her. When you, everybody in their life needs somebody by their side, when things go wrong, they say, hey, it's okay. Mm -hmm. It's going to be hard, but I believe in you. I trust mm -hmm. you. Yeah. You're going to do it. It's going to happen. And if it doesn't, it's okay. I'm here for you. I had the good fortune of having two such people in my life, my mom and, and my wife. Wow. And they've been a constant before every big business deal, every situation, I call mom and say, please pray for me. She's a very pious praying woman, mm. right? And, and, and my wife, I've had the good fortune of, of doing that. And so, you know, my parents spend like four or five months of the year with me, wherever I am. Every year it's been San Francisco, recently moved to Dubai. Uh, and so now they're here spending time with them. So that is key. And, and so- what I want to do is like, I'm like, you spend so much time at work and in business with your co-founder, right? My wife's my best friend. And so now I want to spend time with her over the next five months um, through this transformation journey to understand that, hey, can we really work together? Because it would be really cool. I mean, she's going to be 40. I'm 43. I don't want to spend the next 10. Building a company is a long journey. I don't want to spend the next 10, 15 years working with people that is not my family in the sense like I'd rather spend time with my wife. So I'm like, 
you know what, as a function of spending every waking moment together, we're, we walk the beach every day, 10,000 steps, we eat together, we're working out together, we're tracking this fitness journey together. Maybe some business idea will come where we'll just work together and it'll be fun. So my goal is to, to be on that path. Oh, wow. Wow. And I wish you such an amazing journey for 2024 and beyond. Thank you for this opportunity to spend this amazing time with you. It's such been an it's been an honor, but more importantly, it's been a whole masterclass of learning how to build community. I will tell you that's my dream to build community of eagles, eagles who believe that they can do it. And so that is what the Unleash the Eagle is. So my dream is to be able to build a very strong community like you have. So I'm hoping that I could take some of these points and put them to actions myself. And I hope everyone who's listening today can do the same. Thank you for inspiring us, um, um, Lloyd. It's been amazing having you. Thank you, Ugo. Really, really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Wishing you great success. Love and peace. No worries. Thank you. Oh, darling, darling.